eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Special edition of the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. It is signing day for college basketball as recruits from the class of 2024 will be signing with North Carolina. And we figured we would get together with our usual uh, band of brothers, Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran and myself, Joey Powell, to talk with you a little bit about this class. But for a big, momentous day, we need to bring in a big, momentous guest. And with us, we have, once again, you know him, you love him, Travis Branham, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7. Big fan of his. He's joined us before. He always brings a lot to the show when he shows up. First off, Travis, no quarters up tonight. I'm a little sad, but I, I'm I'm very respectful of the uh, of the high thread count Pima cotton uh, polo that you're wearing right now. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, this is a uh, let's just say the two month old is wearing on me because I thought this through. I definitely would have brought out my North Carolina colored uh, quarters up, but here we are. We are he's not sleeping, and so I'm not thinking. I don't see I don't see any uh, any spit up on your on on the top half of your body, so you're. You're winning as far as I'm concerned, man. Way to go. Um, as always, we are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. If you've thought about it at all, and I'm sure the guys that are signing with North Carolina have, they've probably been to Johnny T-Shirt on their visits. We've made those jokes here on the show plenty of times in the past, and uh, you're probably well aware of Johnny T-Shirt's goodness, how much they support Inside Carolina, this podcast, and all of our content. Check them out, johnnytshirt.com, right there on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Fellas, let's start at the top. And I don't think there has been, at least since I've been doing this with Inside Carolina, I don't think there has been a more mercurial and satisfying rise, at least from the perspective of Tar Heel fans and folks that follow Carolina basketball, a uh, satisfying rise in the recruiting rankings than Drake Powell. Uh, out of Pittsburgh, in North Carolina, has connections with him and his family a long time ago. Sherell, I'm going to come to you first. Why don't you reset how North Carolina got involved with Drake Powell, and then we'll go to we'll go to Travis and Sean a little bit about his game and 
and where he fits overall. Uh, yeah, so Carolina knew about Drake Powell for a while, uh, obviously playing in, in Pittsburgh at Northwood High School. And it wasn't until the summer uh, before his senior year, excuse me, the summer before his junior year, that he really got on the radar. He had some some solid performances, I would say, um, at Peace Jam in 2022, also uh, at different uh, EYBL events that summer. And I think it was a situation where Drake was getting offers from other schools, Florida State, UCLA, other regional schools. And he was, I think he was about ready to turn the page on North Carolina. And uh, if you remember, UNC offered Cam Scott first on the wing in that class. He held the offer by himself from February of 22 until they offered Drake in late July, early August of 22. And that kind of signified, I think, the end of his recruitment. He didn't want to let it on, but uh, the kid was a heavy UNC lean the entire time. <clears throat> Both his parents went there, grew up a fan, grew up, uh, you know, watching the Carolina team come back from tournament games at the Smith Center. Um, all the stuff that you, the down home, you know, country, you know, hometown kids stuff that you hear about kids. Drake Powell had it with UNC. So uh, he took one official visit to UNC. He had planned to go to Florida State, subsequently canceled that visit and committed to UNC on his 17th birthday. And uh, I think when he committed, he was a top 55 recruit. And as we sit and he said, sit today after he signed, he's a top five recruit. So um, that's kind of the story of him. It, it's been, like you said, a meteoric rise over the last, I would say, 18 months. Travis, I want to throw this to you. Have you seen anybody that you can think of that has kind of done everything that Drake Powell has done? It's one of those situations where we've talked about it here on the show about, all right, Drake needs to do this. All right, Drake needs to do this. And sure enough, you know, the next – uh, whether it's scholastic or, or you know, in, um, in in AAU ball, he's done it over the next periods. And, and obviously, you know, this podcast, we're a lot more focused on him, but it just seems like he he really just continued to stack uh, skill upon skill upon skill. Have you ever seen anything like that in, in you know, your following of recruiting like this? I'm sure there's been a player somewhere, but at least with regard to just becoming such a well-rounded player. You know, uh, I've seen kids – jump from back in 100 all the way up into the top 15 top 10 we saw that last year with cam whitmore um most notably we've seen it with shaden sharp but in terms of what you're asking of a kid that just kind of addressed every need or every area of improvement he's had um the way he's addressed it and becoming so well-rounded i can't really think of somebody that's done it the way he's done it um i'll never forget uh, going to John Wall Holiday um, back when he was, I guess, a sophomore at the time, if I remember correctly, I believe Sherelle or Ben hit me about him and said, hey, we need you to get eyes on this kid. Um, we'll be curious your thoughts. And so I watched him and um, I remember coming back from that game, doing an interview with him um, and just talking with him about what I saw. And it was just like this high motor, high energy athlete plays defense, gets up and down in transition, but straight line driver, high loose handle, not much of a shooter at the time. Um, and I remember, if I remember exactly what I said, I was like, he looks like a top 75 player, <laughs> which I guess at the time I wasn't necessarily wrong, but yeah, that growth has been um, pretty astounding and, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and all that to, to talking to his dad. And I know Sherelle has talked about this quite a bit. Um, he doesn't even have a trainer yet. He's doing this all basically by himself. Um, so that's one reason why, honestly, we have him so high up in these rankings of 
in terms of the resources that's been at his disposal so far. Um, it's been pretty raw, um, all organic, all self-made at this point. So um, you would anticipate that it's going to make another jump when he's inside of a college program, receiving one-on-one -on -one training every single day, not only on the basketball court, continuing to hone in on his jump shot and the rest of his skill set, but also just in the weight room. Um, and he's like, I don't know if he needs much work there. He's already <laughs> – uh, got the body and build and everything, uh, the athleticism, everything that will be ready to contribute um, from day one. But just that skill set, what he will be able to uh, continue to improve on um, with with somebody walking him through everything day in and day out. It's one reason why we're just so high on him. And I think one of the things or one of the reasons he decided to stay home because he had quite a few offers. Like we're not going to name the schools. We had offers to go to some of the top prep schools in the country. I think one of the reasons he decided to stay uh, was so he could be at UNC games, so he could, you know, practice with the team some or, or hang out with the team some, play pickup in, um, you know, non-organized team activities. And I think he's said he's already been to campus 11 or 12 times since uh, August 1st when he could start taking visits again, already taking his second official visit to UNC. So he's someone who's already, I think we wrote a story about how him and James Brown were embedding themselves in UNC culture. He's doing it almost every day. He was there um, the weekend that Ian Jackson uh, took his second official visit. He was on campus. So uh, to your point, Travis, <clears throat> he's already getting uh, some, uh, I guess, seasoning from playing against the team uh, in pickup. And, you know, now he's going to add that uh, next step when he, when he gets to campus. It's crazy you think about the fact that he's probably already got a parking spot on campus, to your point, Cheryl. I mean, the guy's <laughs> been around a lot. He's, he's been a part of things. Sean, I remember the first write-up you did about Drake Powell for IC. What do you feel like the skill that he's developed the most since he got on North Carolina's radar? What do you think that is? Because like, like Travis was saying, it's, he's really kind of grown a lot of different things. Uh, you, know, you can talk about his dribbling. You can talk about his shot, what his shot looks like. You can talk about his, his speed and you know, his directional and ability to pivot and all that stuff. What do you think has been the number one skill that he's improved the most since he first got on, on uh, inside Carolina's radar? I think definitely agree with what, what Travis was saying. And, and offensively, usually you're mostly talking about a player's offense and what they do well and, and you know, what are some of the smaller improvements and you're not really focusing on, on their defense for, you know, for Drake, he had, he had the body, he had the size, he had the, the quick twitch muscle, fi muscle fiber to him. And defensively, you could see him guarding uh, probably one, one through four uh, pretty well when he got into college, but offensively uh, and I was able to see him in person in that, first Nike EYBL in Kansas City and he had some good games uh but he was he blended in a lot offensively the jump shot was still you know he was able to hit them but it still looked like a a work in progress and you know I'll be curious to get Travis's point of when he kind of saw things you know really starting to click but obviously he made a big jump in that fall getting ready for the high school basketball season and I know it wasn't a the national competition but he did play some national games and all of a sudden you're watching him and you're saying, Oh, wow. Like it's really clicking for him right now. He was at, you know, the jump shot had improved. Uh, the, I think for me, it was really the aggressive mindset that he was, he knew he was the best player on the court and he was showing that game in and game out. Uh, but you, once again, you kind of, you were able to see that throughout the season and then going into AAU play, we all talked about, is he going to be able to show this on the big stage? And he certainly answered that with a resounding yes early on, but really offensively from the shooting, uh, but being able to get to spots, being able to 
uh, score off the dribble, get to the basket. But once again, I think if you had to put one thing for me, it would be the aggressive mindset that he developed or seemed to maybe improve upon uh, from that summer to fall period. Trav, you want to address that? Like when, when, yeah. do you feel like, when do you feel like that happened? So my evaluation process of, of Drake started with John Wall um, when he was a sophomore. And honestly, I didn't get to see him live in person until the next John Wall as a junior. So I didn't get to see necessarily that the starting slow build, but I saw that first <laughs> massive jump. And going from the first takeaway, this kid's a top 75 player. He's going to be able to contribute with his athleticism, his energy, all that, to watching him dominate John Wall the second year and that confidence really shined and, and came through. And then the shot making, his ball handling, and something that I just keep, I don't know if I've pounded it enough into people's brains, but he's a really good passer, very selfless with the basketball, gets everybody involved, um, a guy that uh, can just really drive and kick and, and set guys open for shots on the perimeter. Um, so I saw that big jump. But then you continue to see um, from that point, you move on to uh, April periods. Uh, playing with CP3, and then you see the the next just continue the the small incremental improvements that he's making in each and every single area, and then just continuing follow. Like I I watched that CP3 team, Lord knows how many times this year, and every single time you see him, he's doing something to impact the game. Like some I know a lot of people um, as we were going through our rankings process people would, would kind of address, oh, his his stats aren't good enough, essentially. Well, it's like, well, if you watch the games really closely, yeah, sure, stats aren't great, but he's impacting the game at an extremely high level in so many areas that don't show up on a stat sheet. His defense and the way he impacts the game on that end, um, to me, and again, just making the right basketball plays don't always show up on the stat sheet. A lot of hockey assists and things like that, just creating organic offense, um, to me, was always a huge separator. And then Peach Jam finally rolls around, and it all clicks. And here we are today. Um, so, I mean, to just kind of put the cherry on top of it all, moving forward, going to, to North Carolina next year, um, I don't – like, for a typical top five player in the class, you, you're expecting a superstar like it. To me, at least, at least uh, for, for my understanding of, uh, yeah, top five player you're expecting the guy to come in and be a focal point. He's not a focal point player. He's an elite uh, complementary piece, a guy who can just do so many different things that contribute to winning to a basketball team. Um, to me is what makes him that top five player. He's going to be a lockdown perimeter defender, and he's going to rebound. He's going to get out in transition, and he's going to – uh, get into the paint and kick out, find shooters. He's going to make an open shot. And then maybe occasionally he'll go off for 15, 16 points, and that's great. But that's not what you're bringing him in for. It's everything else. That's something I think is going to keep a lot of uh, Carolina fans really intrigued is is his versatility and how he can do so many things. We're talking with Travis Branham, Sean McMillan, and Sean Moran. I'm Joey Powell. Special episode of the Coast to Coast podcast here. Recapping signing day as North Carolina adds three from the 2024 class to their list of signees for basketball. Next guy, top 10 player, Ian Jackson, was somebody that I don't think North Carolina fans expected to end up with. Uh, I don't think North Carolina fans thought he would end up signing in Chapel Hill when he first got an offer from Hubert Davis. Uh, out of the Bronx, New York, 
all kinds of scoring ability. Sherell, how did this whole thing with Ian Jackson develop? Uh, yeah, it happened in a short amount of time. So, you know, they recruited him some uh, as, as a sophomore, but, you know, coaches can start calling guys on June 15th before their junior season. And a couple of days after that, UNC uh, made an offer to him. And, you know, at the time, that's one of those where you think, oh, Hubert Davis is just, you know, making offers to highly ranked guys just to get in there and keep UNC's name at the top of, of a lot of the the uh, players who have connections with guys in, in uh, the next classes, just kind of keeping UNC's name out there. Uh, but, you know, he, he kept saying he was going to visit UNC. He kept saying he was going to visit UNC. And uh, Hubert Davis will go up and see him. And I think what really helped was, you know, they signed, or excuse me, they had Elliot Cadeau commit um, very early. I think it was December of his junior year, he went ahead and committed. And that kind of set off alarm bells for a lot of people because Cadeau's somebody that a lot of people want to play with. And um, Jackson took a visit to UNC. And again, Travis can tell you this too. Everyone we talked to, like kind of connected to anything with Jackson was just like, it's going to end up being Kentucky. UNC has a shot, sure, but it's going to be Kentucky. And honestly, it wasn't until the day he committed that uh, we started getting word. Travis sent us a message and Eric sent us a message. It was like, hey, this actually might happen for UNC. And it turns out, um, we'll, we'll link um, kind of the behind the scenes story we did back in January. It was the official visit, I think, that really pushed everything over the top. He just had an amazing once in a lifetime type visit and he was sold. And that was in January um, and UNC, uh, has held on to him uh, since then, and uh, you know, a, a top ten player who's a scorer. There's sure, yeah. certainly coaches and programs that have been uh, after the services of of Captain Jack, but uh, again, Sean, you're, you've seen Jackson since he came on UNC's, you know, I guess UNC's radar a little bit. Uh, your first remarks, I believe, were talking about his ability just to score. Period. Just just scoring the ball. Uh, any reason to feel like he won't be able to do that uh, at the next level? No, I think, um, you know, when he when he com- does come to Chapel Hill, uh, you know, if, if R.J. Davis is still around, this might not happen. But if R.J. is is gone, I think Ian Jackson should be the leading scorer on the team. And I don't think that would be a big, big stretch just with who they, they could lose. But as you said, Joey, his ability to score, and that was the first thing when I got to see him in person. And this was going back a year, the last uh, live period in July. And uh, this was a tournament out in California. UNC had an assistant the first day at the Adidas tournament. And then I think they're all, all watching Nike. So didn't weren't really giving, you know, showing that they were focusing so much on, on Jackson, but he, at that time, his shot, I think was probably the one, the main improvement point that he needed to make. Um, You watched him on USA basketball and, and the high school and AU scene and, uh, you know, he was shooting a low percentage, but he was able to get easy shots and he was able to do so much on that 17 and under level, even a year below that in my mind, I thought he might be a good reclass candidate at that point in time. Uh, but I think he was able to improve on his shooting, uh, tighten up his ball handling a little bit. And, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit at USA basketball this year, but I think in general, he's probably one of the more gifted scorers in the class and just has, has a natural feel uh, for being able to get defenders off balance. And I think that's the thing UNC has missed for a while is those guys that can create seamlessly for each, you know, for themselves without having to do it in a whole lot of dribbles. So I'm, I'm excited to see Ian in Chapel Hill, excited to see what he does uh, this, the rest of this high school season and on the, on the all-star circuit. But 
I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be the leading scorer next year in Chapel Hill. Travis, you've seen Ian Jackson, and the thing I think about his ranking with 24-7 is he's been towards the top of the class this whole time, right? He's he's kind of sure he's vacillated a little bit from from spot to spot, some jumps, some bumps up. Um, but what have you liked about him? Have you felt like, you know, this kid is is has got a little bit of it in him? Maybe that sets him apart from his peers. Uh honestly, yeah. <laughs> I haven't really like we've always known it in terms of just how dynamic he is. He's been on, especially with the athleticism, his confidence, aggressiveness out on the court. He's always put up a lot of point numbers. And uh, I, I would say about a year ago, started becoming about a question like, is this stuff going to really translate to me at least, um, especially with being a, a bit of a streaky shooter from three. And I would say that continued through most of this AU season. And that's one reason why I think we saw him drop about five spots. Now, I went and watched him out in USA basketball. And my goodness, it was the best I've seen him play. Um, that just seems to be a perfect setting for him. And to see, um, like, his ability to just efficiently create, doesn't need the basketball in his hands, um, his improvement in his shooting, um, that, yes, it factor, like, any setting you can throw him in, that kid's going to find a way to go out there and get buckets. Um, and so seeing that in so many different settings for so long and then seeing the progress he's made uh, up to last October to me, um, yeah, he he's definitely going to be an impact player. And um, when I was on the, on the brink of um, me personally maybe selling a little bit more stock, I'm buying now. Um, after what I saw at USA Basketball, especially compared to all the other elite players in the class. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Why, why do you think, because it seems like he's always played well at USA. What, what is it about that environment that you think allows him to thrive? Um, sometimes it's, it's the structure of it. Um, there's uh, a little bit more restriction in terms of what a player, I shouldn't say could do, because a lot of them, go into USA basketball and play with endless freedom. But at the end of the day, when they do that, they stand out like a sore thumb um, and it doesn't necessarily look good. And so um, when Ian goes into a structure like that with other weapons around him, which I bet, which I, I would say is a definite contributor to his elevated level of play there, is he knows he doesn't need to do all these uh, to be so ball dominant in those types of settings. He can let the game come to him more, um, but also just knowing um, – how to play in that setting again with 
they're not wanting you to go out there and get all those all these tough buckets all the time like um, just being that quote unquote restricted a little bit um, to me really has played into his hands um, and also being seasoned with them um, he knows what they what they're looking for out on the court and how he wants how they want him to play in their system so to me all those things just really mesh together but I would say the structure of it all um, playing with better players he just really fits in uh, and, and really shines in that type of environment hopefully that makes some sense how is he just from uh, you mentioned fitting in with the talented players and I know with USA basketball especially when they when they have the tryouts you really have to show that you can fit in as a teammate um, mm-hmm. you know, both not, not just your skill on the court, but how are you mentally? Uh, so I'm curious how he's been in, in that setting. And as you're talking, it, it reminded me going back a, a few years, but when, when Colin Sexton, uh, was trying out for the, I think it was the U16, U7, I think the U17 team. And it was his first experience. He came being a very ball dominant. I hated watching him play at city of Palms just cause he, he was, he didn't look for his teammates at all. Uh, but then you put him in that setting. And he was so aggressive, such a team player. And I'm curious, from Ian's perspective, how was it more on the mental and teammate side versus the the skill side? Um, I would say just that confidence and aggressiveness that he always plays with. Um, some kids will go into a setting like that, um, and they become a little bit insecure. They're a little unsure of themselves. They're just trying to feel out the whole situation. Um, Whereas I would also say the experience that Ian has had winning a gold medal at the Phoebe U-17 World Cup um, definitely plays a huge role in all this. Um, But just his ability to come in, be comfortable in his own skin, um, confident in what he can bring to the floor. um, And and also speaks to his IQ for the game, being able to adjust to a system like this and flourish. Uh, He has a high IQ, really great instincts. Um, so I'd say that that all just becomes a, a perfect equation for him where he just goes into that type of, uh, of place and just really, again, I, I can't say it enough, but he really shines bright in a, in a place like that. It, is that surprising to you? Because like as you as I hear you say it, I'm like, we're talking about how he's a, a bucket getter and a scorer and, you know, he can kind of go off. And it's like that's usually not the type of thing you associate with structure. So does, does that surprise you that he's so good in, in that setting? Um. I don't know if it surprises me because it's more of, uh, to me, that that's more of a learning thing. There are some kids that surprises you, um, if just depending on your comfortability with a player and how many times you've seen them. Sometimes um, it's an area like, okay, I want to see how uh, he's able to adjust to this type of environment. There's some kids you can see how they play with their high school team and the high school structure that they're already in because uh, not all high school situations are created equal and AU situations aren't all created equal. Um, sometimes, you know, they're going to go into USA basketball and they're really going to stand out like a sore thumb and it's going to look ugly. Um, we saw that by a handful of players this October. I won't mention names. Um, and they were not a surprise. Um, sometimes it's just a learning curve or, or a learning moment as an evaluator. Um, whereas you see a guy get to play with a lot of freedom and um, like an Ian Jackson, then you get to see him in that. And then it's like, wow, okay. He has much, he has a lot of IQ and, and feel for the game that um, again, just in the settings that we've seen beforehand, maybe it didn't great grant a huge opportunity to kind of get a great feel for that. Um, 
So you kind of get into that situation. It's like, yeah, this kid can really adjust and adapt and, and play within a team setting. And um, so I, I don't know if that's kind of a long-winded way of answering your question. It's, I think it's a little bit different for each and every single prospect, just depending on your comfortability. But for me, it was more of a learning learning moment. I saw it at FIBA U17 World Cup. I was in Spain. I got to see it firsthand there. Um, but in that type of situation, they were so much more infinitely more talented than every other team there just about. And so they just out talented teams. So you're like, you still want to see a little bit more. And so then you get to go to a camp where they're going against the best in the United States. And he does it again in that type of setting type of setting. Now it really starts to set in. So now we've talked about the kind of the two blue chippers of this class. Let's talk a little bit about uh, James Brown. I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to start with Travis and ask him to get up and turn it loose. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, this particular prospect, because he's one that, you know, people see 6'9", 210, 215, depending on what you're reading. But he has a what seems like a really great attitude, has a lot of upside, and feels like the typical North Carolina player, at least the North Carolina post player that gets to UNC and, and thrives, especially in his third or fourth season. What do you see in James Brown, Travis, and, and where do you think he might uh, might complement what, what Hubert Davis and staff are trying to do? Yeah, he's been a tricky evaluation, to be honest. Like, I remember at Peach Jam as a junior, uh, was absolutely in love with him as a, as a prospect. Good size, good athlete, um, showed some promise in, in terms of facing up and, and scoring at the rim. But to be honest, there's a lot of times where you'd watch him after that point moving forward and you just left the game wanting a whole lot more out of him. I think we had him pushing like top 20, top 15 at one point. And from that point on, it's like, Need a little bit more out of James. Um, but the last couple of times I've seen him, he's really impressed me. And he, he's one of those kids that's starting to make the, the proper uh, adjustments and developments in his game and in certain areas of his skill set. Again, he's starting to uh, learn to shoot the ball better, put the ball a little bit more on the deck, um, uh, be more assertive and aggressive out on the court. His frame is starting to fill out. Um, so he's making the right move or the, the right um developments right now um but getting on campus at north carolina to me it's a it's a good high upside play uh you get a a, a big man with um good hands touch a promising frame um it's just a, a a bit of a ball of clay you just get to kind of bring him in and start to mold him um into kind of your liking into potentially a, a face up four slash face up five big man who can run the floor block shots uh, and again, start to step out out to three um, and just fill his role um, and be a multi-year impact guy. I think the the multi-year when, when you first first see him, especially looking at Ian and and Drake, and you know now you see guys ranked five and ten, you're not expecting them to stay around for for over a year. But with with Brown, I think you you look at him almost as one of the Roy Williams bigs, where there's probably not high expectations on him coming into his freshman year, uh, but Hopefully you can get, you know, 10 minutes or so and have them be efficient. Because I think what you saw from Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, and you can go on and on, they didn't play a lot as freshmen, but they're efficient. And then they're able to make a big jump into their sophomore year and continue that year over year. And I think he's that, he can have that uh, growth spurt. Now, a little different uh, in today's world where you might not stick around if you're not getting the playing time as a freshman, but I think he has a good head on his shoulder and he is a guy I would expect little by little that he's making solid improvement. And 
from uh, in terms of what skill can translate. As Travis mentioned, it's, it's really the rebounding ability, both offensively and defensively. I know that's a, a staple at Carolina in terms of the offensive rebounding. So really looking forward to seeing how the his game develops around that. Uh, but I think it will take a little while for him to to get to where he is a, a finished product. But that's that's part of the fun is watching watching that process. And he's uh, transferred. He... Oh, sorry. I was going to say he transferred to Link Academy. I was going to ask you a question about that, Travis. Uh, he he said it was just because pretty much there in, in Branson, all you can do is go to class and, and play basketball. So um, how do you see that being good for him as a senior? And how do you see that helping him when he enrolls in June? Um, well, one, like you said, yes, there's really not much to do but play basketball. But also not only that, you're playing as high level of high school basketball as you can possibly play playing on the NIBC and not only just the NIBC going against the Montbirds um, of the world and the IMG academies, Oak Hill, all the, all the powerhouse programs that we're all accustomed to, but that's a loaded program loaded. And so you're going against some of the best players in the country every single day. Um, so to me that that'll be great for your development um, and, and learning what it really starts to expose your weaknesses and, and really kind of uh, teach it. Yeah, just kind of exposing almost sounds negative, but I don't want it to sound, I don't want it to come across as negative. It just um, illuminates the areas that you really need to address going against all these top guys. And so then you can really start to address them right then and there. And instead of where you see a lot of these kids stay sometimes with uh, their hometown team and their hometown program. Um, he wasn't necessarily the case, but sometimes you see them do that and they continue to dominate, but they start to miss out time, some really valuable time where um, they don't really work on other areas of their game because of it, because they just keep getting away with everything at the same time. So um, going against that to me, it's, it's a great um, quote unquote prep year for a kid. Uh, getting ready to go up to high major basketball. Um, and again, uh, the the point of him just having a great head on his shoulders, he's not one of those kids that, to me, if he comes in next year and doesn't play much, one, that's probably expected out of me. Um, but two, he's, he's not one of those guys that's a, a bit of a flight risk, in my opinion. Like, he, he's probably going to stick around. Like, he fits the North Carolina program um and he's going to stick around and, and continue to develop work on his game and hopefully year two uh he's ready to make a big jump in, and fulfill a bigger role so let's and also while we're talking about you know brown going to to link i mean if north carolina fans need another comp you only need to look at the current roster and how elliot cadeau was able to to additionally evolve his game with one year in branson um let's take a step back and look at the class as a whole before we get out of here. And again, uh, Coast to Coast podcast talking about signing day. We've got uh, Travis Branham, national recruiting analyst for 24-7, who's kind enough to join us tonight uh, in between baby feedings. Travis, you know, where, where do you think this class will rank when all is said and done with regards to 24-7? And what do you think fans should expect about, you know, how much this group will impact the roster next season? Um, I would say this class will probably end up right on that i would say five maybe maybe six just look at our rankings duke is going to stay number one uh, missouri will stay two or three the teams i'm looking right now that can make a jump up in the rankings Rutgers being one i think at this point 
Um, all signs are pointing to Dylan Harper probably ending up there. Um, not saying it's an imminent commitment, but um, just based on all the latest information, um, there's a there's a good possibility that Rutgers ends up landing the number two and number three player in the class, <laughs> Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey. Whoever would have thought? And Welcome so, to 2023, that, right? Yeah. So with that, yeah. there's a good chance that they could leapfrog uh, a team like uh, like North Carolina, who's sitting at number three, and we're all under the assumption that North Carolina is done with high school recruiting in 2024, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Um, and probably just going to wait to the portal to fulfill. And then um, you never – I'm trying to think of who else is involved in some of these elite recruits right now that, that's sitting at the top. But it wouldn't surprise me if we could see another one jump up in there, get a couple other recruits. So I would say three, four in the grand scheme of things. Um, but three um, high-quality, I would say, recruits. Um, not to get – I mean, top five classes is really, really good. Um, I know some 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 fan bases would, wouldn't be happy about it, but I don't think that's going to be the case with North Carolina. Man, Eddie Jordan, Eddie Jordan would just have a field day with this group, right? <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that negatively with North Carolina fans either. Just um, that the, I think they're they're thrilled with the the additions of Drake Powell and Ian Jackson and James Brown, for sure. Sean, Sherelle, you guys have anything else for uh, for Travis with regard to this particular class before we uh? Before we get out of here i think uh obviously when cadeau committed he was part of the 24 class if if he sticks around uh you know then you combine him with these guys i think you you could have a pretty dynamic young team uh, i think for me one of the exciting parts uh it's been since 2020 i think that nike uh, that uh, unc had a player that made it to the nike hoop summit and that year was the COVID year so didn't even really count but I would expect Drake Powell and Ian Jackson to probably both both be on that team, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances. But I think it'll be fun watching them, McDonald's All-American, knock on wood, and, and Hoop Summit compete against the best of the best and have those guys ready to compete in Chapel Hill. Mix in with a guy like James Brown, who you think can develop along the way and get to, get to enjoy both the one-and-done process with guys that are ready to be productive from the time they step on court, as well as a guy that that might take a little bit longer. I would say an, an impressive job by Heber Davis and his staff. Uh, you know, at one point, essentially they had three top 10 guys committed because from all everything we heard from, you know, E-Boss and, and Travis, Cadeau was going to, you know, be put into the top 10 um, at, at some point if he had stayed in 2024. So um, two top 10s, I think is the first time since 2006 that that's happened. Um, so just an impressive overall class from UNC. And then you add someone like James Brown, as you said, a multi-year big who, you know, by year two or three uh, could be, you know, playing starters minutes and could have a real impact. So it's a, it's a good class for UNC. And uh, they're doing things as far as top 10 and elite guys that they haven't done in, in some years. So I would have to say, you know, kudos to them for that. One, one last question for you, Travis, uh, going back to, to Drake Powell, uh, you know, last year there was a lot of things everybody was looking for to see how he was going to improve upon, but for him to keep that top ranking or even, even go up, how, how are you guys going to be watching him, watching him this year, uh, knowing that he's not going to be able to take such a significant leap, but is it more maintaining and, and seeing him almost dominate, you know, when, when he is playing, playing some of these national games? Yes and no. Um, 
Yes and no. You want to see him maintain, but you also want to see him keep improving um, as a shooter because um, that's the absolute name of the game these days. Um, and so, sorry, uh, I have to post a story as we see here and do this. <laughs> but uh, um, so you want to see him uh, maintain, but also continue to get better. But at the end of the day, you know he is not going to be a, a focal point scorer in the long run. He is what he is in that regard, and I don't mean that as a slight. Like Again, he is an elite complementary piece, an elite team player that can really contribute to winning. Um, so you want to see him maintain in areas but also continue to improve as a shooter because, again, that's the name of the game. Now, make a move up in the rankings. I I don't know if – like you would, to me, you would have to see those other guys above him yeah. slide down. Um, you would have to see some of these guys – uh, just not make any real moves in their developments. Um, they're really stagnating and struggle this year. We've seen it before and it could happen. Um, and also I, I do think there's guys behind him that are coaching up on him, um, like BJ Edgecombe. Uh, he's a guy that has made a significant climb just like Drake Powell has. And to go back to the first question on this podcast, if I'm looking at another guy who's who's continued to address every area of his game and continue to get more and more well-rounded, it's that guy. Um, and so right now, he's pushing into that. T- he's he's in that conversation for pushing into that top five and moving ahead of a Trey Johnson, potentially moving ahead of a Drake Powell. Jalil Bethea is also climbing up into that conversation as well. Um, Jane Quaintance, that kid is as talented as just about anybody in this 2024 class. So we're going to be very closely monitoring him. Um, so all that to say, if Drake moves down two, three spots, don't sweat it. Like it's possible just because of some of the climbs that these other guys are making um, and, and, and they're catching up. Um, could he rise potentially just again, if, if other guys just kind of stagnate in their developments. But um, to me, it's either he's going to stay the same or, uh, you could see two or three of those guys uh, kind of move up and, and leapfrog him a little bit. But again, don't sweat that. Travis, as I was noticing you multitask there and get a, an article posted while we're doing this podcast, I'm thinking, you know, Congruity HR Solutions could probably help you with that uh, in a sense that they could help you. They could help you knock out uh, all of these distractions like doing a podcast with us. So you can focus on what it is you need to be doing like running your own business. Uh, Congruity has been sponsoring Inside Carolina for for just a short time, but we feel like they've been around for a while because they believe so much in our content. We want you to believe in what they can deliver to your small or medium-sized business. Uh, Congruity HR forward slash Tar Heels will get you a free assessment so you can find out how they can save you money. They can take care of your your, your benefits. They can take care of your, your human resources, your payroll stuff, all of these little ancillary things that business owners envision people uh, don't like to do, right? So you can focus on running your business, let Congruity handle all that other stuff. Um, and Sherelle, you're dead on, man. Congruity is like Brady Manic. They, were, they weren't they were with Carolina for long, but they absolutely changed the game. And that's what Congruity is doing for people right now. Uh, if you want to find out how they can help your small or medium-sized business, hit them up, Congruity HR, forward slash Tar Heels. We appreciate them sponsoring this show. Travis, thanks so much for making time for us in such a busy season, man. You know, I know signing day is a big deal and and you've got people pulling you a thousand different directions. Oh, and also there's another human that uh, you're responsible for in your household. So uh, working with Sean, we can certainly appreciate that and know how much you've uh, 
you've been able to arrange your schedule just for us. So thanks so much, Travis Branham, National Recruiting Analyst uh, for 24-7 Sports, for joining us to talk about signing day. North Carolina again, inking Drake Powell, Ian Jackson, James Brown, big haul for Hubert Davis and the staff. We appreciate you being a part of this special edition of the Coast to Coast Podcast. As always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran, thank you guys so much for being here on the show. I'm Joey Powell. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would, leave us a rating or a review and subscribe if you hadn't. And we'll talk to you sometime very near uh, and dear on your calendar. Till next time. Late. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 